Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you so much for watching us today. You can join along in any of the comments and reach out to us via path to Zion podcast at gmail.com anytime you would like. And uh, we are in the middle of a series, the beginnings really. We don't know how long it's going to be. That is always yet to be determined, but we have called it Migration. Abraham's obedience to leave all. And, and what we're talking about um, for the most part, is we just la- uh, we we ended the first part with talking about there are things within the pattern of the world that are that are delivered to us, however they are, whether whether they're packaged in a million different ways, and they are prepared in such a manner to to land with with all of us in that in that sweet spot, if you will, of of intrigue and interest to rob our gaze, to, to steal our gaze, because as we talked about, we are created to gaze upon our, our king. We are, we are to be captivated with the life of, of abandoning our self-will and denying ourselves and becoming obedient children unto Yahweh's commands like this incredible man Abraham who, who abandoned everything that he knew to be obedient, to be found as a man who was obedient unto the, unto the voice of, that he heard. And so we talked about that in measure, kind of laying the groundwork. And um, I, and I did talk about, you know, just the, the Super Bowl event. And I'm not I'm not one of these guys who out who is out picketing the Super Bowl and like boycott the Super Bowl. It's pagan. I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to present it like that. What I'm trying to present is that there are things in our life, mine included, that if you look at you, you can rightly say. That is not evidence that you are migrating into a kingdom that is yet before you. That doesn't, friend, what you're doing, what you're listening to, what you're eating, what you are thinking upon, what you're watching, what you're speaking out of your mouth, and what your life shows is important to you is not revealing that your heart is set upon a far better country that's not yet here. You look like you're enjoying it down here a little too much, friend, is what I'm talking about. And I don't mean we hate our lives, because I have to be clear, because people say, you're saying I should be a miserable, you know, guy who locks myself in the closet. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that there should be joy and purpose in my life and that is that is gratifying to me, that's found within the confines of my father's ways obedient to his ways first and foremost and stuff that doesn't meet that criteria should not have an appeal to me that's what i'm saying if that's more clear the things that the super bowl personifies does not interest me it doesn't interest me my appetite is not gratified from partaking in what they offer it opposes my father's ways is that maybe that's simple enough? I don't know, but instead we we just want to grumble about how worldly it was as we watch every last second of it. <laughs> oh, the Super Bowl's worldly. It's too worldly. Oh my gosh, what what a newsflash! <laughs> uh, why in the world are we even remotely interested in these things? I don't know. It's Christ, man. But Abraham left it all: friends, idolatry, heritage, familiarity, comforts, everything. He he left. He migrated. He forsook it all to begin going right then and there. He was obedient. Why? He was 
he was beginning what we talked about as actively waiting. He was actively waiting for something that was before him. And I just don't see a lot of the called out assembly actively waiting as Abraham did in the same way that we see in this text. Moving away from the pleasures of the nations and all of their enticing ways. I see it in my own life as well, as, and I, just, I hate it. I, I can't stand the residuals that continue to pop up in my life that, that remind me that, man, there's too many things in me that I enjoy here that keep me bound to this carnal world, this fleshly world. So if we have really been called, if we've really been changed, and if we're really in our hearts meaning when we say it that we are awaiting a better country, then it's time that we begin our migration. We begin to move. And as I alluded to a little bit, that is a better way to say it, more clear anyway, a day not moving out further is a day wasted. Look at Abraham and Lot, or Lot rather, Lot and his wife, following Abraham and Lot's separation. I, I, I feel like I, I comment on that uh, biblical account with such great regularity because there's so much within it. <sighs> Lot and his wife, man, every step they took was of utmost importance. Would we not say? And when one stopped and turned and looked back, it was devastatingly awful unto death. But we think, eh, the big games this weekend, I'll leave out Monday morning to continue with that example that most of you may hate that I'm doing. It's too good to to miss, to pass up. (laughs) A day not moving out further is pushing our entrance into the promise another day away. Okay? My personal decisions affects the whole. If we go back to the Livingstone's reality and that we're all individually moving out, which causes us to move out as a people, we're hindering the advancement of the kingdom. (laughs) We're literally pushing it off. Eh, not yet. Too much of this world to still add to my life. I've got to chew on the enticing offerings of the world. Just a a few more hours, and then we'll get back to this migration business. No. We need to live like our lives are no longer our own, if that is in fact true for us. If this world is not my home, then we need to act like it. Or we have to say, well, is it? Is it kind of my home? Am I an alien here? Am I a foreigner in a strange land? Am I sojourning? Go back and see the Sojourner series. Are we really just moving through here awaiting a better country? Or, you know what? Don't tell anybody, but I really kind of like it here. (laughs) And I'm saved. (laughs) Or and I'm this or I'm that that justifies our actions and gives us peace of mind. Oh, I'm okay. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 2, 1, 2, and 3. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Past tense, this condition, this act is a, you once walked that way. You were following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Well, disobedient to what? In the New Testament, we don't have, 
Oh, wait, shoot, this is ah, this is the church at Ephesus. Yeshua's already come and gone. We have to obey. <laughs> Verse 3, among whom we all once lived. You know, at one time we did. We were what doing what? We were in the passions of our flesh. We were carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we were, past tense, by nature, children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Now, now I would suggest that that here in Ephesians chapter 2, we we see a little bit of what I'm desiring to highlight in this discussion. Um, our desires, as I already shared, our desires are the primary issue, okay? <laughs> That's one of the key elements of our problem is our appetites are off. 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully, how much? fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Yeshua Messiah. This is about to get real good. Okay, so what's this is going to be brought to us when? At the revelation of Yeshua Messiah. So, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Again, past tense. This stuff is of utmost importance. Please, if I assume you are already, but just pay attention, please. Verse 15, uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. We've talked about that before. That's uh, your behavior, your regular goings-on of your life. Uh, sorry, friend. In everything you do. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Oh, exile. Oh, that sounds like Abraham verbiage to me. We're moving on. We're traveling. We're migrating into a far better country that is yet before us. Verse 18 knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, not with things that are going to go away like all the offerings of the world, but instead with the precious blood of Messiah. Okay, so I, I would suggest, especially on the heels of our last full gospel series, that many of us have not yet had a true revelation of Messiah. Let me talk about that for a few moments, moments because when I went over this, I... Again, when, when I do my own studies, not my studies to present to you, but like when I study myself, and I feel like things like highlight to me and like, well, that's not really, that's not really even the sound I hear. So, but anyway, I won't draw you into my crazy head. It illuminates something to me. Oh, oh, oh I go back. Oh, wait. Okay. What does this mean? What, what is that? Instead of just like, okay, yeah, I understand. I uh, I completely understand the revelation of Yeshua Messiah. <laughs> I was like, no, I need to know exactly what this is saying. So please pay attention. It's very important to the topic at hand. I would say that many of us have not had a, a true revelation of Messiah that Peter's referencing here, which he says these things come after we have a revelation of Yeshua. And so 
My thing is a lot of times I ask these questions, have we got things out of order? Am I trying to do, do things? And we'll talk about this maybe in this part of the series. I believe we're trying to do things that Peter and Paul and others instructed us to do, but we have not first met the criteria of what we must be or do, depending on the version, uh, the verse we're reading, in order to have that result. You know what I'm saying? Like A and B has to happen before C. And in the Christian majority church, we just read C and adopt it as a promise that's made to us. Well, that's just who you are, friend. But we don't meet the criteria that precedes the fruit to make us even candidates for the fruit to be ours. You understand what I'm saying? We're all out of order. So we have to go back. Okay, so like there's a a revelation of Yeshua Messiah? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. I believe it's the full gospel. As we talked about, man, if you didn't watch that, please, I, I plead with you to please consider watching that series of asking that question, have we in Christianity ever known the full gospel? No. Spoiler alert, we have not. (laughs) So without getting into all this Revelation of Messiah stuff, I would say we've not yet fulfilled the criteria necessary to carry out what many of these instructions tell us. Clearly stated, we have not yet been enabled or empowered via the revelation of who Messiah really was and is, And what the fullness of what he came to accomplish is, and thereby many cannot say that these conditions are past tense yet. In other words, maybe when we read, like we did Paul in Ephesians, and you were dead, and you once walked, and you were following, and you once lived, I'm saying if we have not had the revelation of Messiah, maybe these facts about us aren't even true. Yet, maybe we're not walking in that because that's not our identity. Maybe we've not had a revelation of Yeshua Messiah, and thereby these aren't applicable to us either. Maybe I'm not dead, or maybe I am dead instead of past tense. Maybe I'm still dead in trespass and sin, rebellion. Maybe I still presently walk in this condition. Maybe I'm still following the course of the world. Maybe I'm still following the prince of the power of the air because this is applicable to those who are saying all these things are past tense. Good criteria, I think, for us to really gauge our lives um, according to. Are these things past tense in our life? Sometimes not. Not in my life. Sometimes they're front center right here. Close and personal. This Greek word revelation, um, I want to just say apocalypsis. That's just how I know to say it. That's how I've always said it. And I found out this morning in Greek it's not pronounced correctly. But you know what? It doesn't much matter. It is. Now, this does matter. (laughs) It is defined by the full disclosure of truth that was previously unknown. Now, now, this is the place where we have to pull up a chair and sit down. Like I'm always saying with many things we find in the Bible, we've got to just sit here and we've got to stare at it. And we've got to ask ourselves, especially in light of the series we just completed, if apocalypsis is defined as a full disclosure of truth that was previously unknown, have we had that revelation of Messiah yet? And if we have not, we've got to stop everything and be sure because we're trying to adhere to the promises of who we are supposed to be 
in Messiah, yet we are not walking in the revelation of who Messiah even was and now is. It's of utmost importance that we know who he is. I'm finding that more and more and more. Every day I open my Bible, I see it in a different way. Most all know that Yeshua, Jesus, is Savior. That's common knowledge. Many know him as a living Torah. Millions of people have that understanding. Perf- you know, to explain that, if that's new to you, he, he, was, he was the personification of obedience to Father's ways to the utmost because he did nothing on his own will, his own volition, nothing. He had no opinion of his own. He carried out Father's ways to perfection. <laughs> Many yet know him as healer. Others know him as this or that. But I've not met anybody, myself included, who knows him in fullness, in all that he is. So I would propose we need to have this perpetual revelation of Yeshua Messiah as we go. Okay, man, I've said this the last three series, and I'm going to say it again, and and I'm just going to submit it, and you chew on it, and you, you pour it through the strainer of the Word of God and see if I'm making this stuff up because I'm just trying to be something I'm not. I would say Holy Spirit's saying that's the that's the that's the ongoing work of this this verse here. The revelation of Yeshua Messiah and in his fullness will be step by step by step by step by step for the rest of our days. And that is discovered as we move further and further on in our journey, migrating into a land that we're awaiting that's so much better than right here. I'm ready to keep moving. Obedience in the pattern of my father Abraham. Obedience to leave all. And as I do that, I would propose the possibility will be real comfortable and I don't want to offend you or challenge you too much. I would submit it's very possible that we have ongoing revelation of Yeshua Messiah. I believe there is a, a moment, an experience, which is hard to even define in English, There is a supernatural event that must take place where we talk about the experience like Paul had. And we're going to talk about that again, of course, in this. An encounter where you have a revelation of Messiah. And I would say the sign that you truly had a revelation encounter with Yeshua Messiah is that you are continuing to have revelations of who he is for the rest of your days. Why? I would say because as we incrementally leave behind our disobedience and ways of the nations and pursue Father's ways, we see Messiah. And I'm just telling you front and center, this is my life right now. I've never known him from this perspective as I've found him even in the last three months. I'm seeing Yeshua through a completely different lens than I had previously. Does it diminish those? No way. It's an addition of his awesome, incredibleness. Okay? There's surely safety in that. I don't find that offensive in any way. If that offends you, then friend, you don't understand what in the world this journey is all about. I'm just going to be hard. Because if you think, poof, you have the fullness, there's a real problem, according to the word of God. (laughs) This is not the fullness of the promise. If it is, then wow, I'm real disappointed. But I know biblically it is not. 
I am becoming holy as he is holy, as we talk about on the program a lot. In the true text, understanding of that text it is we are becoming holy. I want to suggest that our migration moves us into knowing him in his fullness. See, I, I feel like what I jumped out and just said that wasn't in my notes comes back to right here where we are, friend. Maybe you would agree. I don't know. The more we're willing to be like Abraham, the more we will pull up our tent stakes from this world and all that it presents to us. The more we will see Messiah in his fullness and thereby walk in an ongoing revelation of all that he is. Then these promises that, that, that we see men like Peter and Paul tell us can be true for us. Instead of this, we have been taught us this blanket statement for everyone who asks Jesus in their heart, and poof, this applies to you. All this stuff is yours, friend. It's such a deception. We have been a Christian people attempting to live according to the instructions that we read, yet we have not been empowered to do so because we have lacked a revelation of Messiah and who he really is. And our, our lives will cost us everything. I say that all the time. Paul's the perfect example. We just alluded, alluded to him a few minutes ago. He knew Yahweh. He, he, was, he was a teacher of the Torah, man. He, 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 were, he could have had the whole stinking thing memorized. Then he had a revelation of Messiah. And how many sermons have we all heard, all of us, about Paul meeting Jesus, Shaul, when well, he had his name changed. I say Paul because that's all anybody, for the most part, can identify with. He met Jesus, walked away from the burdensome Torah and all the heretical teachings of the Torah at that age. You know, they had become eradicated. Jesus hated them. He taught grace for the rest of his days in the new religion church. But this is simply not true, friend. If you're still wrestling with that, it's not true. <sighs> Paul added his revelation of Messiah to what he had already known was Father's ways. Because Yeshua said what? Like, not one jot or tittle. <laughs> I don't know much, but I know a little of the Hebrew alphabet, and I know what those are, and I know the value of them are, of what they are in the understanding of Torah. And like none of those, even the little tiniest of the little, think, none of those things will ever pass away. I'm not here to do away with even that. It's very clear. Allow me to just read one reference to talk to this point for a few minutes here. This chunk's going to be kind of long, but we'll see how it goes. Chapter 2 of, uh, well, let's read Ephesians chapter 3. Yeah, because we have to do this. If we're really going to understand Scripture, we have to read it to the best that time allows in its entirety. Ephesians chapter C, uh, 3 says this, For this reason, I, Shaul, Paul, here we are, Paul, <laughs> a prisoner of Yeshua Messiah on behalf of you Gentiles. Okay, so that's the entry, entry point into what he's about to say. For this reason. Okay, so if we're going to be good Bible students, we have to read some of chapter 2 to figure out what in the world this reason is. Because there's no sense in reading chapter 3 
if we don't know why he said it in chapter 2? That's simple enough, right? Quote, Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, and again, just who is this? Who are we talking about? You Gentiles, you used to be former, former Gentiles. Okay? You were simply the Goyim nations. You were outside of Yahweh's people. Okay? It's simple. You, the scattered ones, you were, you who are out here, you were called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time, back then, separated from Christ. Alienated. Alienated from who or from what? From Christianity? <laughs> no. There wasn't such thing, for starters. From the commonwealth of Israel and strangers. Strangers to what? Salvation? You can't get saved? No. To the covenants of promise, having no hope and without Yahweh in the world. But now in Messiah Yeshua, you who were once far off, distant, you have been brought near by the blood of Messiah. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, making peace. Now, now some of you, if you're just in, in wide-way Christian doctrine, you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe... I can't believe you read verse 15. He just said that there's an abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinance. How's he going to talk? Okay, well, just stick with me. (laughs) I'm not nervous, are you? (laughs) Verse 17. He came and he preached peace to you who are far off. I'm sorry, I got to read verse 16 first. Okay, so there's this making of one new man in place of the two making peace. Verse 16. It's very important. I don't want to leave that out. He and and this might reconcile us both to Yahweh in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. We've heard this in other versions. This is the one I'm going to just choose today. He came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who are near. Those who are far off, one group of people. Those who are near, another group of people. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers or aliens, but your fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, the one household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Yeshua Messiah himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Okay, I'm just going to stick to my notes because I'm going to get sidetracked if I don't. In a very brief examination of this text, free, this is, this is important, free of mainline Christian doctrine, one sees that this is in no way talking about Yeshua, Moving, removing Torah in no way. This is all going to make sense of why. Well, what's this have to do with Abraham? Everything, everything. That's just bad teaching um, that, that 
that this is saying that there has been, in our understanding, an abolishing of Torah. No, we, we, we've been, man, we have not been taught. We have not been taught. It grieves me, but we spend the rest of our days learning and unlearning both. The separation discussed is not between some heavenly realm and people on the earth. We just read it for what it is. We don't have to hyper-spiritualize this. This is just simple. But rather between two people groups. We see he mentions, mentions ordinances. Then he references two men, Jew and Gentile. Obviously, that does, that's, doesn't take a, a seminary degree. They become one new man after being separated by a wall that the cross killed or eradicated. The full gospel yet again, right here, front and center. Now, without taking hours that we could to explain this more fully, and there's others who could really help you more than I could if this is new to you. Most people could uh, do better. But we even, even I can easily see that the verbiage is speaking to laws and ordinances in place that kept those who were far off as aliens and strangers into becoming fellow citizens, which we know Torah did not promote. Torah did not promote this, this division. To be clear that this is scriptural, not simply my own opinion, I'm just going to read one reference and you can look into the rest. Leviticus chapter 19, we see this, quote, When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you. Again, this is why it matters. Okay, now, okay, oh, oh, now I see the connection. Okay, the stranger who sojourns and migrates alongside you, don't do him wrong. Treat him with you as the native among you. And you shall love him as you love yourself. For you used to be strangers in the land of Egypt. Oh, and who's saying this? I am Yahweh, your Elohim. Friends, do we understand? We've got to hit the pause button in case there are so many people that I know this, this program is a small part of a larger bridge to get from, from, from wide-way Christianity doctrine to what I just call the ancient way. And so to I have to be responsible with my tiny part of that. The sojourner, the, the stranger who sojourned alongside Yahweh's people had extended to them via their obedience to his law the same incredible blessings. The problem only came with the, the oral laws and traditions of those who grabbed the Torah, shoved it over here, and wrapped it up with 15 layers of their own oral law, which Yeshua came and tried to get through and annihilate the shell that was to guard the Torah. Because guess what? It wasn't necessary. <laughs> and that is what Yeshua was always coming up against. Not the Torah. He would never come and annihilate his father's perfect instructions to his identifiable people. So that's why this has everything to do with Hebrews 11. And I don't want us to forget, 
this is gonna I'm gonna have to be really careful the way we don't get all this confused because I'm gonna I'm going to jump back in um, to to first Peter oh, I'm already gonna this is gonna be really challenging see forgive me I don't mean first Peter I mean Ephesians uh, chapter three because if you remember now stay close and stay here because this is this is important and then we'll wrap this up and I'll bring, I'll make it more clear in part three we are reading Ephesians chapter 3. For this reason, I, Paul, on behalf of Yeshua Messiah, on on <laughs> I, Paul, a prisoner of Yeshua Messiah, on behalf of you Gentiles. Okay, for this reason, and now we went back to chapter 2, and we're reading what Paul said about these people he's speaking to and why. That we have to understand. You who were once far off, you that were separated from Christ, you who, who uh, were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, you who were alienated and strangers to the covenants of promise. Okay, so uh, because of this, I'm about to say this. Does that make does that more clear? That's what he's saying. We have to know what he's talking about or we won't understand why he's saying what he does in chapter three. So in conclusion of this part here. This is why we're talking about Abraham's actions. Abraham's identity was defined by his response to Yahweh's commands, how he, how he responded with obedience. He was willing to migrate out and leave all that he knew in order to be found as the one obedient. His actions defined his identity. And I believe my point in this, whether I'm doing it well or not, is up to you to decide. That the teachings of Paul, and men like Peter as well, of course, Timothy. These things are showing us instructions how to walk. How to be ones who are, who are identified as men who are migrating into a better country, a better land. There will be evidence in our lives. And to make this practically connected to what I've been presenting thus far, the things we give ourselves to in our lives, friend, define whether or not this is our identity. We are daily forming criteria that defines whether or not we are or are not the seed of Abraham. This is why what we do, what we don't do, always matters. What we watch, what we eat, where we go, how we speak, what entertains us and what brings us pleasure, all matters, I believe. Because it, reveal, it reveals what land we are pursuing, what, what city we are either dwelling in or so, sojourning through. It's time to migrate further out, friend. We'll go to Ephesians chapter 3. Um, in the next part, fittingly, in part three. So I hope you come back as we talk about migration, Abraham's obedience to leave all. Stick with me. I'm going to try to start out part three with a little more clarity towards the ending in this one here. So thank you for watching the Path Design podcast. We're doing our best to what? To rediscover the ancient way. Thank you for being patient, for joining us. Amen. <laughs>